This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast, and the streak is over. It's over. It's over. It's only Ricky <laughs> and I today. I'm Sean Anderson. I am joined by Ricky Widmer. Hey, guys. And, how's it going? And usually we have Dave Oster, and I always cut off Ricky. So, I mean, we're at least okay, playing that. We're playing to the, the normal themes of the podcast. Exactly. But Dave is not here because Dave is sick. Dave has strep throat. Dave is contagious. <laughs> Dave doesn't want to be here or get us sick. Well, so. it's funny because, I mean, Dave is missing because he is sick, has strep throat. But like his story. In the group chat to us <laughs> that we have in our text messages, it was funny how he sent it to us to tell us. He's mm. like, well, Cal, Rip, Cal Ripken streak over. I've got strep throat. Fucking bullshit because I didn't even want to miss this week. <laughs> So there are weeks that Dave doesn't want to miss, and I feel like Dave will miss a couple more weeks. Well, to, so, find, uh, it, to find out how, you got to visit uh, Dave underscore don't underscore tweet. Yeah, we, we, we try to make Dave doesn't tweet, but apparently some guy, you know, made it and mm-hmm. then did not tweet, and he hasn't tweeted since uh, At least 2011. he's keeping to the trend, though. At he's least keeping he to is. the trend. Uh, so we had to go Dave underscore don't underscore tweet. Dave don't Dave don't tweet with the underscore. Dave don't tweet the uh, the actual name is MVP Dave. You can mm-hmm. you can recognize it by the MVP logo yep. in the background. But let's get into the actual NBA talk. The actual gist of this podcast. What do we do? The trade deadline's not here. So and, what do we oh, talk about? I, we we milk we milk <laughs> the trade deadline. Honestly, like next year, I think from like you know December to February, it's all going to be trade deadline <laughs> videos because <laughs> that's that's what's done well. I think we're gonna. I think we let's do what else does well. The draft. Oh, the draft. Everyone loves the draft. It, it, it It's hard not to love. I mean, you know, you get to, you know, get a new fresh faces here. You get to see these kids grow up from college mm-hmm. into the NBA, and it, it's a fantastic time. We're getting around tourney time, so we'll really see how these kids, you know, do well in high-pressure situations. Sooner or later, we'll have your 2.0 coming out. We will have assuming. my 2.0 coming out, and we'll have uh, some reactions to other uh, mock drafts coming out, and we'll uh, we'll start talking about that and see, where, see why we think uh, mm-hmm. or where we think people be moving but the real question that's really come up of lately uh the the main prospect here was Brent, ben simmons like even coming into this season ben simmons was the kid to watch and brandon ingram was always his number two but you know uh chad ford and kevin pelton of espn put out a article saying number one pick ben simmons or brandon ingram and you know not to uh you know toot my own horn here ricky mm-hmm. but if you look at sean anderson mock draft 1.0 my number one pick was Brandon Ingram because I said he is more, he's you know his skill set plays to the NBA more than Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons doesn't have a jump shot and there's been articles <laughs> coming out that saying that he might be shooting with the wrong hand, let alone you know just an ugly jump shot in general. So I mean, really, when you look at it, who is your number one pick in your eyes? If you're the 76ers, because they're most likely going to get the number one pick, who is the number one pick in your mind? As of right now, if I am the 76ers, I have to lean towards, like, the only re- way I lean towards Ben Simmons is if you're in the war room, you're mm-hmm. the head of the Sixers, and you honestly believe this kid is going to be the next LeBron James. If you have any, just anywhere over a 20% doubt that he is going to be. So if like 20%, you're like, you know, he could be the next LeBron James. 20 to 100, you take the kid. Because you don't want to be the organization that passed up on the next 
LeBron James. However, there's always a however with me. Brandon Ingram looks like the prospect that if I was an organization, because I don't think Ben Simmons is going to be the the next LeBron James. If mm-hmm. he was, LSU wouldn't be 16 and 12. Well, I they mean, wouldn't be fourth in the SEC, not even going to make March Madness this year. The kid's averaging a double-double. I mean, you yeah, can't, you can't say this is all Ben well, Simmons' fault. Here, He's playing 35 minutes a game, shooting 56% from the, the field. Thing, here's the thing about that. And with Duke and LSU, yeah, the strength that they've had to play schedule-wise, it goes in favor of, to me, in Duke, the non-conference schedule for LSU was kind of, except for like maybe, okay, like your big games in non-conference, Marquette, not that tough of a team in mm-hmm. my eyes. NC State, cool, you played an ACC, or an ACC team, but it's NC State. Other than that, I mean, you have Houston out there that's your next toughest opponent, and guess what? Those three opponents that I, that I listed, you lost. Yeah. Then in the SEC, there's nothing besides like Kentucky – and Texas A&M, I'll throw South Carolina in there as well. The competition in the SEC isn't nowhere near what Duke is feeling right now. What I do really want to look at is, you know, performances in big games. You look at the Kentucky game. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. You know, that's a decent stat line, but nothing, you know, game-changing there. And he only played 27 minutes there and shot 100%, 1,000% uh, from the, you know, from the field. Mm-hmm. So. You know, he he, he 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 performed, and that's probably his best performance against a top-notch team. But then you look at Texas A&M, 10 points. You look at Oklahoma, 14 points. You look at Texas A&M again, 16 points. This is Ben you, Simmons you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Ben Simmons. You know, he's not really coming up and, mm-hmm. and playing, you know, like a number one draft prospect. But if you look at Ben Simmons of late, you look at against the number five UNC, 20 points. Against uh, Virginia, 25 points. You look at Miami, 19 points. NC State, 25 points. Notre Dame, 25 points. Mm-hmm. Boston College, 25 points. So he's playing well against you know top teams in the NCAA. So- See, but, and here's the thing. You kind of read my mind with the, I was on the side of Brandon Ingram. Minus, let's say, the first from like the season began for Duke on November 13th. Mm-hmm. By the time, let's say that first month, that month of November was kind of a feeling out period where Ingram didn't have, I know he started with 15 and 12, but after that, like four, eight, five, didn't have as many big performances. After he hit the, I mean, on the 2nd of December, mm-hmm. huge game against Indiana, scored 24 points. In the game against Notre Dame, I know that they lost by four, but he had 25 points in that one against Miami of Florida. 19 points, 10 rebounds against Louisville. 18 points, 10 rebounds. UNC, the win, 20 points in that one against 18 Louisville. That was the one where he fell off and had eight and five. Ever since Mm -hmm. the beginning of December, this kid Ingram has had double digits a game except for that one game against Louisville on the 20th of February. And I do want to mention, just looking at the college stats straight up, I mean, Ingram, Simmons averaging more points per game mm-hmm. compared to Ingram. Simmons having 19 and a half a game. Brandon, uh, Brandon Ingram averaging out 17 a game. Uh, ben Simmons averaging a double-double as well, 11 rebounds per game, even close to 12 there. Brandon Ingram, 6.8 rebounds per game. But again, I, the, what I'm saying is, 
Ingram is more fit for the NBA because if you look at the percentages, 30 per, or 40% from three-point land and 45% from, from field goal range. So Brandon Ingram, the more efficient shooter, he's going to be able to spot up. He's going to be able to drive in. He's going to be able to do a lot of things. And the thing with Ben Simmons, he's an athletic freak, but is athleticism, you know, is, is, is that going to be able to carry you all the way through? Because you look at former picks like Hashim Tabit was supposed to be a top big Don't man. Don't stop the beat, man. He Don't was supposed to be a top beat. big man, and they really just picked him based on size. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking at, you know, because he was just a monster in the paint, just stuffing left and right. But he just didn't have that one thing to, you know, take him above the competition in the NBA. And I look at Ben Simmons. People aren't sure if he's a small forward. People aren't sure if he's a power forward. People look at the comparison, you know, he was being compared to LeBron James at the start mm-hmm. of the season. Now it's more of a, a more athletic Draymond Green. Now it's like a Blake Griffin where, you know, Blake Griffin was a horrible shooter mm-hmm. in, in, in college. Ben Simmons, a horrible shooter in college, both playing in similar conferences there. So I think Simmons, you know, he might be, if he, if he starts developing a shot, he'll most likely be the better player in the NBA. But that's the thing. It's developing that shot. How long will it take to develop that shot? What is the, you know, the the culture you're going to go into the NBA? And mm-hmm. if you're looking at where he will go, if he goes number one, he's going to the 76ers. And the 76ers well, are a trap. I was Well, I was just going to throw out that really – we and another thing that plays into this is which team gets that number one pick mm-hmm. because I mean, it's not a lock that the 76ers are going to get it because of the conspiracy known as the NBA lottery. It, that's true, but and uh, this is coming from a Bulls fan that no, we had under a what well, it was a 0.8 percent to yeah, get Derrick Rose, and then we got Derrick Rose, yeah, and so, Ky- Kyrie, yeah, the conspiracy, yeah, Anthony Bennett pick for mm-hmm. the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kyrie after LeBron leaves. So, mm-hmm. so but, like the 76ers, they may say, Hey, you know, you tanked for nothing, go fuck yourself. Looking at that though, I mean, you know, if, if it's really the Lakers and the 76ers who have the best chance. At being one or two, or I one. would even throw maybe the Suns in there. I would throw the top three. The top three to me have a chance at that number one. And then Brooklyn also gave their pick to the Celtics. Mm-hmm. So South, so that top four is going to be the Celtics, 76ers, mm-hmm. Suns, and Lakers. But looking at that, I think the best place for uh, you know a Ben Simmons to go, LA. I, I would say I, LA. I mean, let me finish, man. Yeah, I know. I was but, just cutting you yeah, off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to say some, actually, some no, words no. Here. I, I changed my no, mind. But no, go well, ahead. Yeah, what I'm you gonna, were gonna I'm say. gonna actually, you know, talk like I yeah, was going to. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. I, I changed uh, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was gonna say Los Angeles, uh, or obviously the Celtics because they're already a playoff mm-hmm. team. But I, I don't think the the Nets are gonna really win the lottery, and I don't think this would, well that would basically mean the Celtics winning the lottery there. I think the Lakers are the best fit there because you're gonna have young players around them. Mm-hmm. But a young team that can really develop with each other and play with each other. Because if you look at Ben Simmons, he can play the small forward. I mean, you know, people are yeah, saying. Yeah, and I said I was going to change my decision because I originally saw Ben Simmons as the power forward. And then I looked at the depth chart for the Lakers Larry Nance Jr., Julius Randle. They've got a ton of power forwards, but Randle and maybe Nance next year mm-hmm. can be more of a spark. For them, I know Nance plays a little bit now, but the big thing is Kobe's not going to be there. Kobe won't be there, but I I think that's a good thing. I mean, with Ben Simmons, he could go to L.A. and have, I mean, I don't know if the spotlight being on him would be a good thing, but he could fit right into that small forward 
and have the talent around him. D'Angelo Russell at the point. You have Jordan Clarkson, Clarkson at the two. Jordan and D'Angelo up top. Simmons on the wing. Randall and Nance down low. Lakers could have something to build on. However, the 76ers, if they're number one, I go Brandon Ingram because they already have too many bigs. They've got Okafor and Bede and Noel. You add one more person who could possibly play in the post, and it's like, nope, nope, you don't need that. You don't need four possible players who could play at the four. Well, that's the thing with the Lakers is that they can – I see their vision – that they kind of want to be like Golden State because, mm-hmm. you know, I, mean, I don't think D'Angelo Rus- Russell or Clarkson are the shooters that Thompson and Curry are, but they are the, they can be, you know, similar scorers and they could put mm-hmm. up this, uh, you know, similar numbers there. And if, if Ben Simmons' comparison is Draymond Green, he would fit beautifully there because he can start setting picks and picking pops with, I mean, if he starts developing his jump shot, obviously, he can start setting picks. And shooting you know, with the right hand. Yeah, it's shooting with the right hand. <laughs> uh, you know, you start rolling off pick and rolls with D'Angelo Russell and Clarkson. Mm-hmm. He can start cutting to the basket. He can start finding these guys on cuts. He can be the point guard in position. So I think I think Ben Simmons would work, like flourish there in Los Angeles, especially if they get a better coach than Byron Scott. I think mm-hmm. that's that's another thing to throw in there if they get if they get rid of Byron Scott. Uh, but the Sixers, looking at that, I mean, you have Ja down low, and then you have Noel at the three, and then you have or you have Noel at the four, and then Simmons would be playing the three. I think that's just way too much height. I think you know that's way too many big men right there. I know Simmons really doesn't play like a, a normal big man. I know he's very athletic. He's very fast. He's just basically a truck there. But I, I feel that's just way too much like clogging there, like you said. And I mm-hmm. feel if you put Brandon Ingram there, they have a very sim- similar length. I think Brandon Ingram is an inch shorter, but Simmons can or Ingram can really stretch that floor out. Ingram can be a Kevin Durant where he doesn't need the ball in his hand to score. He can you know play off. He could come around mm-hmm. screens. He can set up, you know he could sp- be a spot up shooter yeah. there. So I, I think that you know Ingram's bet f- best fit. Would be really any team because he's fit for the NBA. He well, could play. He could play. You know, in Los Angeles and thrive. He could play in the Sixers or Philly, Philly and thrive. He could play in the Celtics if they win the mm-hmm. lottery and thrive. He could play in Phoenix if they win the lottery and thrive. Ben Simmons, I feel like it's more of what will he be has, the better well, fit. To me, this is how I see it. The three teams, like I said, I brought up. You threw out the Celtics because they would technically right now have the fourth worst or for fourth best pick, I should say, going into the lottery because mm-hmm. of that Nets pick. But because what we're going to talk about later in the podcast, they may have to give that up if they revisit a trade this offseason. But with Ben Simmons and Ingram, this is the way I see it. If the Sixers get number one, you go with Ingram because you already have Ja, Embiid, and Noel. Unless you're going to move one of them to possibly get something else, you go with Ingram. The Lakers... Go with Ben Simmons. Go with the guy who can play in both. With the Suns, that's the team where it's like they could go with anything. I mean, P.J. Tucker technically on ESPN's depth chart is their number one small forward. However, they don't really have that good of players at the four. So, I mean, they could go with, okay, a Ben Simmons if they're number one. They can go with a Brandon Ingram, and it's like, okay, that's a good pick. Well, the thing I, the thing I look at with the Suns there. You're gonna get you know Brandon Knight back, and you're gonna get mm-hmm. uh, Eric Bledsoe back at the point. So point guards really filled out there. Shooting guard Devin Booker is ridiculous. Devin Booker's a great pick there. 
small forward, I think that's TJ Warren's spot when he starts to develop and he starts to get healthy. I think TJ Warren's going to be your small forward there. So I think Ben Simmons at that power forward position would be beautiful. Because right now they Tyson got Chandler Humphreys, and Lure, and uh, Teletovic. Yeah, it's are a, their power forwards, and I think I think those guys are are, are really great bench players, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're starters in the NBA. And if you put in Ben Simmons there, that's a ridiculous fit. So I think I think if Ben Simmons is going to the West Coast, kind of near Australia more, because that's where he's from, I think that he would thrive in both of those places. But if you're the Sixers, go with Ingram. Yeah, that's what we're in agreement. I, right? I, I'm I'm in agreement that Ingram should be the number one if it is the 76ers picking there. Looking at the the rest of the draft there, mm-hmm. who is your one prospect? You know, in this draft that you are thinking, you know, in the later half that can really have an effect on this team. So, like, from do you mean later half 15, outside of the lottery? Yeah, 15, okay. 15 down. So, I mean, not really. Like, I think the lottery still is in, mm-hmm. in the mix with fifteen, but fifteen down. So, a later half in the draft. Who is the one player that you could really see flourish and come up and step out? So, kind of like a Jimmy Butler, where he went in the last, mm-hmm. you know, the the last pick of the first round. Who do you think that player could be in this draft? I've got two, two, maybe three. And I want to say the first two, it, it, they've got to be Denzel Valentine and Demetrius Jackson. Mm-hmm. Where I know that I hate Notre Dame and I hate everything about and Notre I Dame. And I hate you. And you hate me for that. Ever since you brought up, like, when I started talking to you about college basketball, and you were like, hey, you got to check out this Demetrius Jackson kid. I hope the Bulls get him. At first, I'm like, okay, he's a point guard. So I guess I'll look into him. The Bulls need to get this guy. He's mm-hmm. the guy that I hope the Bulls go after because we all know my opinions on how I thought the Bulls should have drafted Tyus Jones last year instead of Bobby Portis. I like Bobby now. Bobby's an okay pick. In my mind, just we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But he, I feel like Demetrius Jackson's going to be a big one. He may not be the guy that comes out and Derrick roses it in his first year no. where he's lighting it up, but he could be a big role player and then mature into a starting point guard role. Valentine is a guy where I just want to see that kid succeed in the NBA. I love Denzel Valentine. Coming out of Michigan, Michigan State loves to kind of have the, like, Draymond Green being one of them. Those guys know how to play because Tom Izzo knows how to coach them up. I'm going to give you a sleeper, though, who right now I'm looking at NBADraft.net, and they have him as a second-round prospect. But I think this kid's going to be great in the NBA because of his relationship with Coach Calipari and kind of being for Kentucky, that guy on the bench who's an extension of Coach Cal, Tyler Eulis. I, I like the Eulis pick, and I, I've seen Eulis play since we're, he's from Chicago and you mm-hmm. know, he used to go up against my high school. So I, I like the Eulis idea, but Eulis is very small. Eulis can be dynamic, five but he's nine, very five small. 590 or 59 bucks 60. Very small guy. So, I mean, he's either got to bulk up or he's just got to use his speed. And he's a very fast player. And I think he could be a decent, you know, second, you know, second rotation uh, point guard. But I, I, I love the Demetrius Jackson pick, like you said. So, mm-hmm. I obviously will go away from it there. But talking about DJ, I'm surprised you don't know him. Because he was a stud last year in in the in the yeah. tournament, him and Jaron Grant, they were they were lighting well, it up for Notre for Dame. For me, with Notre Dame last year, it was all about uh, I'm gonna screw up his last name, Pat uh, Connaughton. Connaughton. It was all about Connaughton last year with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. It was all about Patty Connaughton, and, and I believe in our mock drafts, I had him going to Atlanta. Was the team that I had him going to later on? Another guy I'm gonna ask you about in this draft is Melo Trimble. I mean, he's a sophomore. He may decide to stay, but he's a guy in college where I love Melo Trimble, but 
is he going to do anything in the NBA? Right now he's a 31st selected pick in the NBA.net mock draft to the Boston Celtics. I don't think he transfers well. I don't think, you know, looking at Trimble, I don't think he really plays like a, a point guard mm-hmm. in the NBA. Like Ulysses, I think that one's a stretch too because mm-hmm. Ulysses, he's just too small. He's just very, you know, he, he, out there it just seems like, you know, he, he's a fantastic player in college. Yeah. I think he's a fantastic player, but I think it's really, you know, will he be able to ke- ke- keep up with these players? Trimble, it's more, I don't see his game transferring at all because I don't really know what his main style is he's he's it seems like he's a scorer first mm-hmm. but he's supposed to be a point guard and I really want him to be like a Chris Paul type but more of the assister than the scorer yeah and I don't think he's that great of a scorer and I don't think he's that great of a Chris Paul type mm-hmm. so I feel like he can be an okay bench player yeah. at, at, at the most. I don't feel like he's going to be a starter in the NBA. I don't feel like he can really transcend a team. But when I look at a DJ from from Notre Dame, the kid's athletic, he's fast, he's I mean he he he's great with, you know, he's got high IQ. He's 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 very good looking at the just you know seeing the court. Uh you know, he's he and he's pretty decent at, at defending. But I think the the thing that he really needs to develop is a three point shot. But if you're going to a Bulls team, you don't really need that because you got Miritich, you got buckets, you, you got, got Dougie McBuckets. You got I was gonna say Dougie I mean, McBuckets. Just them. So I I feel like Dougie know, can slam it down too, man. It's weird, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean I'm really loving you know just I'm I'm loving DJ and I hope the Bulls mm-hmm. get him there. But I, I think the one guy we didn't mention is he's a guy from uh, China, and I'm gonna I'm gonna really try to butcher Key? his name. Well, is it Key? It's uh, Qi is his last name. Zuqui. Uh, Z- <laughs> or Qui. Zuqui. All right, the kid from China who's going <laughs> thirty in my mock draft to the Golden State. Mm-hmm. He is very thin. He's very weak. I think he's like seven three and like one ninety two. So and- he's he's brittle. But he, you know, he's got a high IQ. He's a great passer. I think he's got a decent shot, mm-hmm. and he's young. So I mean, he he'll have time to develop. So I mean, if Draymond bargains too high. Or you know, and they could put him in where Bogut is. I think I think he could really develop mm-hmm. if he goes to uh, the right team. Again, also I like uh, Demonte Sabonis from uh, Gonzaga because I have him going to the Spurs, and the Spurs just pull. Up, you know, just they just it's it's a factory, and they just push out great players. I'm going to throw out one more question because I know me and you sit on the same side of the argument for this prospect. Which team, either in the lottery or outside of the lottery in the first round, makes the mistake of drafting? Grayson Allen, if he comes out, oh, what team's going to make that mistake? Who's going to make that mistake? Because I know both me and you would see it as a mistake if it's in the first round. I think I think Grayson Allen's a joke. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, it, it's he's a. I, I wrote in my mock draft he's a budget JJ Redick, mm-hmm. and you're probably like, all right, the guy on Duke, who Duke's a fantastic team this year. They've obviously struggled. Had their he struggles. also likes to trip players. Yeah, let's be honest. they've had a struggle, and he's kind of a scumbag personality wise. But I look, hate Grayson. I hate Grayson Allen. But he's he's leading the the Blue Devils in points and assists right now. Mm-hmm. But looking at him, I don't see anything that jumps off the page. I think he can be stopped very easily by any NBA defender. And I don't he's think got, he's. I'll be honest. He's got a good drive to the basket. But like you said, in the NBA, the competition is a little. Let's put it this way: the competition's a little bit better, and the refs are a little bit better. They'll call a travel when your foot hits the ground before it leaves your hand. See, with uh, like with with Grayson Allen, I see budget JJ Redick, but mm-hmm. I see Christian Leitner, you know, oh, I, like ooh. Christian Christian Leitner NBA performance because mm-hmm. you know Christian Leitner. I just think a fantastic player think in he's college. This, he's this he's this generation's Christian Leitner. 
I, I can see how you say that, but I don't think there's going to be another Christian Leitner, like, ever. I mean, I'm Christian, just saying for, Christian like, Leitner the, was hated by hatred, I know, but, like, I, oh. I, I, Maybe I think, it's because I hate Grayson Allen. I just I, I think I think Grayson Allen's just not good enough to be in Christian Leitner contentionship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I, I see him putting out like uh, I, I not even I, I think that's Christian Leitner's even too high of praise. I just I don't see him doing well. I think maybe a Jimmer. Mm-hmm. He's going to be like Jimmer Fredette. You know, a lot of I hype liked around. G- I liked Jimmer too, but Jimmer wasn't a good NBA player. And I, f- no, I see like he was going to be a spot. Like he was the guy for me. If you drafted Jimmer. Sit him in the corner, and when he's open, just pass it to him. I think I think you know Grayson Allen is Jimmer Fredette mm-hmm. 2.0, but you know he, he's going to have less hype around. Let's him. be honest; a lot of people thought the same thing of Steph Curry coming out. Oh, the kid! Well, from Steph da- Curry was the he kid, came before Jimmer ki- Fredette. Yeah, the kid from Davison can only shoot threes, and then he became G- the greatest. Steph Curry was more than just shooting threes. I don't know in that tournament where he led <laughs> Dayton or Davison a long way. He was pretty much a three-point shooter for that mm, tournament. I think he was a clutch three-point shooter. I think you remember the three-point shots because they came in clutch times. But I think Steph Curry was I much more see, than that. I did not he was see a Steph Curry becoming player. the face of the NBA in, I didn't see that as well. Years. That's what I'm think, trying to say. I didn't see that as well, but I also didn't see him just flopping. I, oh, I, I didn't he, say he was going to flop. I was going more for the I didn't see him becoming the face of the NBA in, what, three years, four years? Longer than that, he was five or six. That's yeah, right. five or six. He 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 came out because in I was talking to Dave, and this is an off topic, but it's a point about Steph Curry. If he wins the title this year, mm-hmm. we can start making the comparison that he's just like Jordan. Took Jordan six years to win his first title, then Jordan won three straight. If he wins three straight, he's Jordan. Just throwing it out there. Uh you throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> I can see what you mean. Because people I can love see the, to compare people to Michael Jordan. I can see the comparison there, uh, but it's not not close. I mean, completely two different <laughs> players, completely two different play styles there. And completely two different NBAs. Yeah. Two, I, so you can you can say that they have similar career like projections. Career arcs. Career arcs, but uh, <laughs> no. To Michael Jordan and Steph Curry are not comparable. Any final thoughts on uh, any any big names or big, big or any players that can really step up? Not there's one I player can think of. There's one player in my mock draft that I, I, I did have going too high, but I still believe in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had, I had him going 16th to the Nuggets. We were looking at that. That's way too high. Uh, it, it, it's um, Nigel Hayes from Wisconsin. Is uh, he going to fall in your next one? Is that the little oh, sneak peek in that one? I don't think Nigel Hayes will okay. be in my mock draft next time. I was just looking for a power forward, but looking at Nigel Hayes, I still think he could be a fantastic player. Do you want to know where NBA Draft.net has him right now? Sure, why not? 52nd overall second yeah, rounder. That makes more sense than 16. Uh, to the that, Jazz. That one I do regret there, but look, looking at him, I mean, when he was playing on a high-level Wisconsin mm-hmm. team, you know, he's getting 33 minutes a game, well, shooting 49% had... from the field, and shooting uh, shooting 39% from three, averaging 12.4 points mm-hmm. per game. I think he could be phenomenal player in – not a phenomenal player, not like a starter in the NBA, but I think he'd be a decent six man. Uh, and then looking at, and then if you take a look at his stats, I think they're just completely inflated right now because mm-hmm. he's getting 36 minutes. He's the number one player on this team, and he's not a number one player, so he's shooting 38 percent from the field, you know, 30, the 31 percent from three point yeah. land. But he has six, you know, he's averaging 16 points. So I think his his tra- stats are struggling because he doesn't have the help around him. But if he goes to a team where mm-hmm. he can get that help, I think he can be a player that can flourish in the NBA. Since we're on the topic of draft day, we're talking about the draft. The only trades we can see are going to be coming draft day. That's what's going to happen because, you know, mm-hmm. trade deadline has passed. NBA draft day is when you could start making trades. And there was a trade 
that the Boston Celtics, we talked about this last week, that the Boston Celtics said they yeah, were going to we, revisit. Well, we all thought it was Dwight. We, our, yeah, we, we thought it was going to be a big man. We thought it was going to be maybe a boogie. We thought mm-hmm. it was going to be uh, a, a Dwight Howard. But the thing with Dwight Howard, we're like, well, his ex- contract's going to expire and he's going to leave Houston anyways. But it's come out that Carmelo Anthony of the New York Knicks was in talk or is in trade talks uh, to go to the Boston Celtics, but Carmelo said no, no to that deal and did not want it. So the, it's come out that Carmelo Anthony was that big deal on draft day. Do the Celtics get it done? Because they're really going to need to include that Brooklyn pick mm-hmm. that will most likely be a top five pick in that deal to get Melo. Do you think the Celtics get Melo? And what do you think they need to do to really convince Melo to waive that uh, no trade clause? Oh, the Celtics don't need to... Well, okay, here's what the Celtics need to do to get mellow. They have to go far in the playoffs. And right now, if the playoffs were to start today, as we're recording this podcast on Saturday, Mm -hmm. the first-round matchup would be Boston and Indy. I feel like Boston can beat Indy in a best of seven. Yeah, I think it would be a close series. However, Boston needs to... I would say maybe they have to win the first round. Mm-hmm. However, they may have to get to if they can get to the Eastern Conference Finals, boom. Then they can say to Melo, "Hey, if we had you, we would have went to the finals. Come on, come to the finals with us." I think it's also dependent on what the Knicks do because currently in the last ten games, when we're recording this podcast, they're two and eight in their last ten mm-hmm. games. If the Knicks completely fall off, Melo might get sick of it. Melo might just get pushed out, and plus, Melo might not like the coaching uh, coaching candidate they bring in because. You know the coach. I don't think the coach. Uh, the Knicks are going to stick with Kurt Rambis as mm-hmm. their coach. So I mean that might be dependent there. And if he might not like the coach, then he might want to leave. So I think it really depends on both the Knicks and the Celtics. What do you think? Do you think Melo? Like I mean, there's been the talks because I mean LeBron kind of you know slipping up. I mean LeBron's still one of the best players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he's not. But, you know, he's not having those, like, LeBron years where he was having in, in Miami or early early half in uh, Cleveland. Do you think Carmelo can still be a superstar on a team? A, a team that can be led deep into the playoffs? Because, I mean, he, right now he's averaging 21 points per game and 8 rebounds per game, 4 assists there. Do you think he's really going to be back at that status where he's, you know, scoring 28 in Denver in 09 or even 28 and 27 uh, in 20, 2012 and 2013? I think he can. I think the thing with New York is they're just in a different... The time with New York and Carmelo has passed. And everyone thought, even Melo, when he came back to New York and signed with them, the big thing was, hey, you know what? Maybe we can win a championship together, but nobody saw, and I mean nobody being the Knicks and Carmelo, saw that the Knicks ain't what they used to be when they were making the playoffs with Carmelo Anthony. With Anthony, it was really one of two things. Do I go and play with Kobe and yeah, possibly make the playoffs, but I think he'd be in the same situation except on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. The biggest, and this is not my hometown biased coming out, but if he wanted to make the playoffs, the team he should have signed with the last time he was making a deal were the Bulls. Now, am I happy we didn't get mellow and Hindsight, yeah, because we were able to now give Butler a bigger contract. I mean, we yeah, were, are we the eighth seed and probably falling out? Yes, but to me, Carmelo Anthony wouldn't have been 
it wouldn't have been the thing that everyone thought it was going to be. Yeah, but then we could have traded Paul. So I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's really just based on Jimmy Butler. I think if we brought Carmelo, I think this team would be you know higher than they are mm-hmm. in the standings. Because I mean, this team's kind of a joke right now. Well, and all it would. That was when we had Thibodeau. Yeah, that was before the Hoiberg. The thing with this that's simple is if Boston wants them, they can make a push for them. And if I, right now, if I am Boston, you want, like, and when it comes, this is when it comes to this trade, you want to either stay in the three spot or make that push for the second. Right now, they're six games out of the second seed, so I don't see them passing the Raptors anytime soon. However, there's that game between them and the Heat for 3-4. Mm-hmm. They need if they want to get mellow. Even the Hawks at 5 too. Yeah, but if they want to get mellow, their best chance is to stay at the 3 seed. The reason why I say that is based on how the bracket works. You'd play Indiana in the first round. Like I said, I feel like Boston could beat Indy mm-hmm. in a best of 7. When you go to the semifinals then, the conference semifinals, if you're the three seed, right now you would play most likely Toronto if Toronto were to beat, it would be the Hornets right now. Let's let's be honest, Toronto could beat Charlotte in a best of seven. I feel more confident as the Celtics that I could beat the Raptors in a best of seven rather than the Cavaliers who I would be facing in the semifinals if I dropped to the four seed and won in the first round, well, you kind of had the answer for you. You had the answer for you know Kyle Lowry in Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. I think I think Lowry is the better player there, but I think you you they're evenly matched yeah. players there. I, I think that you know Boston can can put push at Toronto, but I think just LeBron would be too much for the, the the Celtics. If you put on Carmelo on this team on this Celtics team. Do you think they would have a shot at beating the Cavs and beating the beating the Raptors? Because I think they have the shot at beating mm-hmm. the Raptors here, but I would still pick the Raptors. And I think the I, I mean obviously they're going to pick the the Cavs in a seven game series and get the Celtics. But do you think that this that Carmelo makes this team a a, a, a an NBA Finals contender? Well, it depends on what they would have to. What are you giving up for Carmelo Anthony? Well, That's the, the fir- big question. The, the, the Brooklyn pick, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, you got it. I'm talking about players because. Yeah. If you made a trade this season, there'd be players that you would have to give up in that deal. And the thing with Carmelo is the big thing about his contract is it's $22 well, million. Dollars. Yeah, but I think I think the thing would have been is they would have uh, kept David Lee, and then mm-hmm. they would have just traded David Lee back to the Knicks. Yeah. So then that would have been 15 mil right there. And then I think you probably would have moved uh, Marcus Smart there, and you probably would have used, moved either Olenek or Eurebko or even Sollinger to, to make up for that cap. Um, but, I mean, I think I think the trade would have been done, and I think, I think you know, you would have kept Avery Bradley, you would have kept Jay Crowder, you would have kept Isaiah Thomas. So I think you have your four main players right there all staying with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 looking at that, I, I still don't think they're, they would be a, a, a finals contender with Carmelo just due to the fact that, I mean, I don't think he. I just, I, I don't see Carmelo ever being an NBA Finals, you know, a, a, a Finals winner, unless he's like a, a aging veteran on a team. Oh, I'm not saying they would make it to the finals. I'm saying in the argument of them pitching, because the big thing why they would need to pitch to Melo individually is because of that no trade clause. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, the Knicks, they're like a point zero one percent to make the playoffs. They're six and a half games out of the 
eight seed, if you're able to make the playoffs as the Celtics when the Knicks aren't, mm-hmm. and Melo getting, he's now 31, he ain't getting any younger. So if you can make a push, I would say worst case scenario, the worst you have to do is you have to make it to the second round, the semifinals of the Eastern Conference, and push Toronto to six, six or seven games. Does it happen? Yes. Is Carmelo a Boston Celtic on oh, draft yeah. day? I, I think it is. The reason being is the Knicks aren't going to make the playoffs. The Celtics at the least can push the Raptors in a second-round series to seven games, and at the best, you just got to make it to the conference finals and play the Cavaliers. I think he stays. I, I honestly think he's going to stay as mm-hmm. Nick. I think you know he signed that contract for a reason. I think he's going to be you know at least dedicated for the next for one more year because I think he sees the potential in this team. This team wasn't really even supposed. This team is really now where they should have been at the start of the season. I think they you know Phil might be able to talk him into maybe they they'll try to make one more move and try to make you know one more get one more piece because you know Porzingis looking like a, a fantastic piece there. I think I think the Knicks you know might not be able to come around but maybe they'll make a trade for um the point guard from Jeff Teague and try to you know bring a, a real true point guard that's not Jose Calderon into the mix. I think I think they can make a move to make this team at least making it in, into the playoffs. So I feel like the Knicks aren't aren't dead in the water at least for the future, but then again, you know, Phil Jackson might see the future in that Brooklyn pick and then they might try to move Carmelo and then Carmelo might kind of be forced into waiving that no trade clause and go to the Celtics there. Another player that's going to be moving, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson waived by the Brooklyn Nets, mm-hmm. and now he is basically a free agent, can sign anywhere he wants to. And ESPN is saying that he is expected to sign with the Miami Heat. Cavs were in contention. Cavs were interested in the start of the season of trying to move for Joe Johnson. Hawks were even interested in bringing him back. But it looks like he's going to be on the Miami Heat. Joe Johnson, what does he bring to the table for the Miami Heat? Well, and before I give my answer, the one thing I want to throw out there is Right now, it's just sources expect that he's going to sign with the Heat. We just saw in baseball how much sources really know because, I mean, with the whole Dexter Fowler, everyone mm-hmm. saying, oh, he signs with the O's, and then he's back with the Cubs. Right now, our understanding is that Joe Johnson will be a member of the Miami Heat. And to me, in the end, do I think this helps the Heat a whole lot? No. However, I, it just gives them an extra body, an extra shooter to maybe it'll help them against Atlanta if that if the standings end up being what they are. As of right now, they play Atlanta in the first round. May help them with Atlanta, but in the second round, if they have to go up against LeBron and the Cavs, I don't think Joe Johnson is the piece to say, yeah, you know, we can compete with the Cavs now. The one thing that it does really, I mean, you're gonna, you, you might lose Chris Bosh because they're still, you know, not sure what it's going to happen with mm-hmm. the blood clot, clot situation. So you're not sure what's going to happen with Chris Bosh. So I mean, you're obviously going to need to bring a, a shooter in, mm-hmm. or you're going to need someone to try to make up for Chris Bosh's scoring because they're currently he's currently the leading scorer for yeah. the Heat. Um, I think I think I don't know. I think Joe Johnson's past his prime. I think Joe Johnson's way. I think the ship sailed on Joe Johnson. I think this is kind of just you know old news. I mean, like it's not going to be anything you know significant here. It might help you beat the Hawks. Um, the Hawks are kind of just slow. They're not, the Hawks aren't the same Hawks team they were last year. So I, I I would see that they might get past Atlanta. But other than that, I don't see them beating Boston. I don't see them beating Toronto. I don't see them beating Cleveland. But I, I think the one thing is that he's not going to 
a contender like the Cavs. He's not going to a contender like Toronto. Well, everything could change. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you I said. Mean, this is just so- sources. Yeah, sources did say that. But, again, I think that it would be, you know, huge if Cleveland signed him because we kept talking at the trade deadline mm-hmm. that the Cavs need to make a move for a scorer, like a six-man that could provide scoring off the bench. And I think Joe Johnson would be perfect did, in that role. And the only thing they did was basically Fry. get rid of— Well, they got Channing Fry, but basically get rid of Andrew Verja. And That's yeah, all they did. I mean, it, I don't—I don't, I didn't like the Channing Fry move because that's really not going to make you the contender, the person to beat. I mean, you're not going to win. You're mm-hmm. not going to win a final with Ch- Channing Fry being your only move. But this would have been, you know, huge here if they went out and got Joe Johnson and add scoring to that bench, make that bench even more deep. You know, you add add a, add a different kind of you know look at the Cleveland bench here, and you know, mm-hmm. who, who, re, just recently, just yesterday, the Toronto Raptors beat the Cavs ninety nine ninety seven. Well, I'm looking right now as we are. I know when you guys are listening to this, this is going to kind of be like past Ricky talking to you guys, like it is all the time, basically. Mm-hmm. But the Heat are playing the Celtics right now, and just looking at their scoring, like it's a spread out attempt, like. Six from Stoudemire, five from Dang, four from Winslow right now. Dragic leads the team with 10. Wade only has three points. Five from Whiteside, six from Richardson. So, I mean, the thing is, I know, like, Udridge and Haslam haven't entered the game yet right now. Mm -hmm. They're probably not going to enter the game, let's be honest. But where does Joe Johnson fit in in this rotation? If he comes in, does Richardson, who's right now played eight minutes in this game— does he get the DNP, or does McRoberts, who's played seven, get the DMP when Joe Johnson comes into play for this Heat team? Possibly Stoudemire, too. Maybe they keep McRoberts in. Yeah, I mean, Stoudemire's only got eight right now. He's in the lineup as we Maybe speak. they throw Whiteside back into the starting mm-hmm. lineup. Uh, I just I look at Joe Johnson, and I see that he would have been perfect on the Cavs game because, again, going back to that Raptors game, mm-hmm. leading scorer off the bench— Della Deli. No, I was, I was a stick yeah, Deli. Call him Deli. Uh, you know, but he played twenty one minutes. Hate him. Twenty one minutes had eight points. Two for three for two for three for three. And then their second leading scorer was Richard Jefferson, who went two for two from three. If you add Joe Johnson, he's probably going to knock out Jefferson out of that rotation. You know what's the best comment from LeBron about Joe Johnson? We know we want him here. He knows we he, want him. He knows we want him. Yeah. Like just the plain and simple. He he knows I'm the best. He knows he knows we want him. So I I think Joe Johnson would fit perfectly with the Cavs. Mm-hmm. I think that makes the Cavs. And I'm not saying they would beat. They're not going to beat the Warriors and Spurs just because they have Joe Johnson. But Joe Johnson could be that player where he comes out of nowhere. And I mean, he's kind of like an Andre Iguodala. I mean, you know, less less of the player that's going to have no, that much. No, of I'm a saying impact. I'm, I was getting to that, yeah. Rick. But I'm, you know, like you know, he's not a, not as you know, he's he's older than uh, Iguodala, but kind of same, similar players. In their primes, where mm-hmm. you know, you know, the main scorer for their teams, leading their teams to the yeah. playoff, but never did anything special. But I think he could be a player, like kind of like what Paul Pierce was for the Wizards last year, where he mm-hmm. hit that game-winning shot. I feel like he can be that veteran presence that can score when you need him to, but not score at a high volume. If you coming, if he's coming off the bench and playing ten minutes, twelve minutes for you, I feel like the Cavs. You know, if they. Cavs got Joe Johnson. I feel like that would be a perfect move for them. I feel like that just makes them the complete favorite in the the East. But you know, because looking at the the Raptors, the Raptors made the Cavs look beatable, and the, the Raptors kind of gave themselves some legitimacy right there with that with that win over the Cavs. Oh, that that win was huge for the Cavaliers. And I mean, with Joe Johnson, what you're going to get right now from Joe is scoring mm-hmm. a little bit of scoring because right now he's averaging about 12 points, four rebounds, and four assists. 
per game shooting uh, 40.6 from the field, 37.1 from beyond the arc. So you're basically going to get, to me, 12 points a game from Joe. Is he going to grab a few rebounds? Yeah, but he's not going to be a monster on the boards. He's not going to be the guy that moves the rock. He's going to be the spot-up shooter for the Heat to try to give them a little bit more points in games. Is it a huge addition? Probably not, but it may be enough to make sure that, like I said, we are not a done-in-the-first-round. Now we are officially a one-and-done team. Or maybe if they get lucky, can move on. Because the only if I had to pick between the Cavs and the Raptors, mm-hmm. the only way they're moving on is if they possibly play the Raptors. Although I would still pick the Raptors to move on. They have a better You're shot about of the Cavs. I'm talking about the Heat. Have a better chance oh, okay. of beating the Raptors in a game of a series of seven than they do the Cavs. Oh, do, yeah. Do, no, that's, that's obvious. Do they yeah. possibly yeah. do they do it? Probably not. The Raptors would still beat the Heat, but it gives them that opportunity in case they overtake Boston, which right now if they won today, they would be tied for that three seed. Plus kind of looking at the Miami Heat, adding Joe Johnson it kind of makes them the mm-hmm. Yankees of the NBA. But like not not like the you know the powerhouse Yankees mm-hmm. like the, you know you're bringing in all these old players who are yeah. way past their prime like, kind of like the White Sox, yeah more of the yeah. Yankees when they when they made the playoff run yeah with the, like Raul Ibanez leading them but like Dwayne Wade out of his prime mm-hmm. well dang out of his prime Joe Johnson out of his prime Chris Bosh still in his prime but now he's hurt so you really don't have a, a score there Amari Stoudemire out of his prime you do have Justice Winslow but he's not really adding too much offensive scoring there. And Goran Dragic, I don't think he's going to be leading this yeah. team that far alone. But, I mean, final thoughts, really. I don't think Joe Johnson's going to change the Miami Heat no, that much. It's but a, I think it's he a could, minor boost at best. And I think he, but I think he could have a major impact on a different team. I don't think Miami's the right fit for him. I don't think mm-hmm. this makes Miami that much better. But I think it could make a team that much better if they got Joe Johnson. Any final thoughts for you, Ricky? No, just like I said, a minor boost to a team that... Are they going to go all the way? Probably not. If he want, if Joe Johnson wants a ring, he would sign with Cleveland because I believe he's the third on the player, like the players that have the most games without mm-hmm. reaching a finals. He's third on that list behind Andre Miller at number one and Vince Sanity at number two. So current players, yeah, current okay. players. Okay, yeah. So I mean. You know, I want Joe Johnson to succeed, but I don't think he's mm. going to succeed in the Eastern Conference, basically. Yeah. Because if he went to the Warriors, that no, would have been he, huge. If he went to the Spurs, that would have been huge. If he, he, been huge, wants, but I don't think if he wants a ring, he would pick the Cavs over the Heat. Yeah. Anyways, that's going to wrap it for us. I mean, Joe Johnson, most games played, or third most games played without an NBA ring. Finals. Dave, finals appearance. Yeah, the finals appearance. Dave Oster, most appearances in a row until he got sick. Four or five was he at? Four. He was at four. Was this a, would have been five. Now it's back down to zero. Yeah. The Dave, count, it Dave's doesn't got, matter. Dave's, doesn't got matter. Reset. Dave's back to zero. Zero days since Dave <laughs> Oster has shown up at the Fast Break Podcast. Anyways, we're going to wrap it up here. For Ricky Woodmer, I am Sean Anderson. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. Follow me at Twitter at Schwarbo. Follow Ricky at Ricky Woodmer. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. Like this video. If you love this video, please share it to your friends because we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers sooner rather than later. And if you're listening to SoundCloud, thank you for the listen. Share this to all of your friends and hit that nice red button like button because we love the support anyways we're going to wrap it up here for the fast break podcast for ricky Whitmer. i'm sean anderson we will see you next week 
Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.